Entrepreneurs often have similar characteristics. Energy, passion, vision. But why do some soar to success while others struggle to climb? Less than 2% of women-owned businesses in North America ever achieve a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Why is that? And how do we dramatically increase that number? Welcome to Breakthrough with your host, Sarah Roach-Lewis. Sarah offers conversations with the ambitious women entrepreneurs in that 2% to help you break through. Now, here is Sarah Roach-Lewis. Well, hello, ambitious one. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough. Perhaps you have a bold ambition or an emerging desire to hit the million-dollar mark and beyond in your business. You may be well on your way or just starting out. Regardless, this is the show for you. I want to welcome Kathy Robertson to the show today. Kathy is the owner of Robertson Wealth Advisory Group, and she provides financial advice to her clients as they transition through various life events, such as re- retirement, divorce, death of a spouse or a partner, inheritance, or the sale of their business. So lots of financial knowledge hanging out in this room today. Welcome to Breakthrough, Kathy. Thank you very much. It's well, nice to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited that we are here. And you know, it's interesting, we're doing this a little bit differently today, so generally, I record um, in my home office via Zoom, um, but today Kathy and I are doing this face-to-face in our office overlooking a very snowy day in Charlottetown. <laughs> so Kathy, tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial path. When you were little, what did you want to do when you grew up, um, and was it always being an entrepreneur? You know, it's funny. Growing up, my father was an entrepreneur, so there was a big influence there to see what it was like to live in a household where one of your parents was an entrepreneur. So I got a really good feeling at a young age of what it entailed, the commitment to it. Mm. And I knew going through university and the co-op program that I always wanted to do business. And I knew that I always wanted to do something in finance. When I was in in high school and university, I used to work for my dad, um, doing maternity leaves and helping out, and he'd get me to do the payroll and the accounts payable and the receivable and all that stuff. And nothing pleased me more than balancing the books, (laughs) right down to the penny. I loved it, And, and that's, Every single time I went to work there, and if I could balance the books or do the payroll exactly how he wanted me to, I got this little sense of joy. So I I always knew that, you know what? I need to be working with money, and I need to be working with people, and I need to be an entrepreneur. I I just felt it in my gut. Wow, that is so cool and so interesting because, you know, often when I have these conversations, I hear from people who say I kind of fell into it. Um, So it's really neat to hear that you sort of always knew that this is what you wanted. Mm -hmm. So tell me then about this path then from, so you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you knew that you wanted to work with numbers. How did that transition to, you know, owning a wealth Mm -hmm. advisory? Uh, company. Sure. That's a journey. That's a journey that took a long time. Um, graduated university and I wanted to work for a bank. I figured that was my entrance into the world of finance. Mm-hmm. So I ended up working at a, um, a national, at a national uh, bank as a teller. And I was working part-time, and it drove me nuts that I couldn't get full-time hours, no matter what I offered. And, uh, you know, I could work shift, I can work, you know, full-time, but they couldn't offer me full-time hours. 
So I said, you know what, if I don't get full-time hours in two weeks, I'm out of here. Mm. So they said, unfortunately, Kathy, you gotta go. <laughs> we can't give it to you. So I left, and then funny enough, there was two people that worked in this industry, um, in this full-service brokerage wealth management industry that went to that bank and said, hey, do you have an employee that might wanna work in this industry with us? We need an assistant. And the branch manager said, I just lost a really good employee. This is her name, go find her. Amazing. So they, f they found me at another, you know, another financial spot and I started with them and I've been in this industry for 23 years. So I started off at the bank um, thinking I'll work my way up and through and figure out you know, uh, first being a teller, then maybe being a mortgage advisor or, or you know, doing retirement plans for someone. But within eight months, my career was, oh, I'm done in mm -hmm. the bank. Eight mm -hmm. months later, yeah. right? Yeah. It was, it was different, it was, it, was, it so, was shocking. Yeah, and so even that, you know, when that happened, I mean, it takes a lot of um, courage and chutzpah mm -hmm. to say, you know, give me full time or I'm out of here, and, mm -hmm. and for that to not work out in your favor. Mm -hmm. um, so at that early age, when that didn't work out in your favor, how did you pick yourself up and, and you know, move on until these people found you? Absolutely, well you know what, it was eight weeks later that they found me, okay. so it wasn't that, that yeah. long. Mm -hmm. And I had stayed in really good contact with the manager of where I was. We ended in really good terms. Yeah. So I had always said, you know, if something comes up, in the future that's full-time or great opportunity or you think that's a good fit for me reach out like I'm available mm, right mm. so I took a couple of weeks uh, I found another job and I started learning about um, high interest mortgages and you know that was a life lesson because you're dealing with you know um, people who, who, who don't qualify for mm. normal mortgages at the bank kind of thing right so it's a life lesson there and then all of a sudden I get a phone call from somebody else saying I have a different opportunity for you, yeah. right? And so I jumped on it. Yeah. I didn't really, really know what this industry was about because my vision at the time was bank and working at the retail level. Mm. I didn't really understand that there was another division that did wealth management. I didn't really know what securities firm actually meant. I had heard other people talking about a securities firm in university and I thought it was security, like um, safety and security, sure. right? Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was stocks and bonds. I just, I had no idea. That world wasn't even open to me, mm. the world of investing. So, I yeah. think it's a world that's not open to a lot of people. So um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your world then? Sure. Um, and you know, what it is that you do on a day-to-day -day basis in this, in this world that you've hung out in for? 23 years. 23 years. 23 years now. So, you know, I did every role. So I started off as the assistant. So I learned really what the industry was really like doing all the admin work mm. for a good decade. Um, and then I became the um, branch administrator, which then you learn a whole different level of how each branch interconnects with each other uh, across the country. And then I was the associate advisor. And that's really when you're dipping the toe into providing financial advice and guidance to your clients, right? Sure. 
so then eventually as I became the full-fledged owner of Robertson Wealth Advisor Group, you take all the little bits and pieces that you've learned over the years and out of each role to really appreciate what it takes to do this job and do it well. So my day-to-day is my number one focus is my clients. I want to have a really, really strong service level for my clients. Um, I pride myself on a quick turnaround in email, quick turnaround in uh, voicemails, um, face-to-face meetings with my clients um, when required, as fast as I can get them in because if there's something on their mind, it's best that they we start talking about it sooner rather than later, Sure. right? So really, it's not about the stocks and bonds, it's about the relationship with my client, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Do you feel so, as you went through this industry that is pretty traditionally male, mm-hmm. um, what, what was that experience like for you as a young woman starting out and, you know, sort of that evolution? Mm. I'll be honest, it was, it was hard and it still is hard. Um, for the first 15 years of the 23, really, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't feel like I had the voice. I didn't feel like I belonged in the room because mm. I was different than everybody else. And on Prince Edward Island, all of my peers at all the other firms are still all male. Mm. So at the full service level in which I'm at, um, that's bank owned, I am the only female wealth manager on PEI. Wow. But when you hit your late 30s and early 40s, there's this maturity that happens within you and a sense of confidence that says, you know, I belong here. I've worked my way here. I have a voice. Um, I believe in my voice. Um, My practice may still look different than everybody else, but I love what I do and I'm really, really proud of it. So that gives you the confidence to say, you know what, it's okay to be different. And that's my niche. Mm. So I've kind of have this spot within the industry that being, you know, the only or one of the only females in this industry, that if there's a widow or, or, or divorcee or a retired couple, um, a young professional that would would prefer to deal with a female um, or someone who has strong soft skills or emotional intelligence mm. um, you know I'm a really strong option for them right yeah. because I don't have a lot of true competitors in my opinion doing what I do and the way I do it here in my here in my area you know it's interesting and I I hear that over and over again when I'm doing these interviews. Um, The way that women have successfully navigated these sort of gender stereotypes and and shifting those on their heads. So that idea that being you know relationship focused mm-hmm. that is this this key to your success absolutely is not the stocks and the bonds, but the relationships that you have with your clients absolutely. And we know that women you know in general um, there, there's a difference in the way that we build relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting that we see that over and over again that one of the keys to success 
is settling into those differences rather than fighting against it and trying to be something that perhaps you're not. Absolutely. And that was a big part of it, is trying to be, I have to be the same as everybody mm. else. I used to wear black suits, white shirts, um, you know, never wore a dress, never wore a skirt. Um, you know, I really tried to, you know, be the same as, sure. as, as my peers, mm. right? But then eventually you just go, oh, you know? I feel good when I'm wearing a dress. Yeah, and I feel why good not? wearing red, right? <laughs> yeah. Or pink or what have you. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, just a little bit. The more you're comfortable with yourself, the more your personality can come out and the more relaxed you are around a meeting table. And, you know, because when you're fighting through to try to find your spot, you know, we also have this sense of, you know, I have to be smarter than everybody else yeah. in the room. Yeah. You know, and I've given up on that because we all have different areas of expertise, right? So for me, I can always learn from my peers and I hope that they can learn from me as well, mm. right? So for a long time, I really only focused on my knowledge and mm. getting credentials and courses and professional designations and, you know, special licenses and, you know, which really helps today, to be honest with sure. you, right? Because the knowledge is there. Yeah. Um, but that's all I focused on, right? Interesting. Because I, f I felt like I needed to be smarter than, you know, others in the room. Mm. To combat that differences. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, and I'm glad that you brought up confidence, um, because I have been thinking a lot about confidence these days, and, and, and I hear you so loud and clear, like, whatever that is that happens when you hit sort of, for me, I felt like it was once I turned 40, that I just felt like based on evidence and experience, I, you know, you sort of have mm. that, and, and you're, 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 there's a there's a settling into the confidence. I am curious, though. I I I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and I used to say about my old job that it was flexible, except when it, you know it's flexible, except when it's not. Mm. Um, and I feel like it's a little bit like that with confidence. Like I feel pretty, you know, generally a pretty confident person. I've always felt pretty confident, and I'm confident except when I'm not. Right, right, <laughs> right? which happens, right? absolutely. So in those, you know, as you're, so part <laughs> of that for you was yes. age and experience yes. and, and a, a settling in. In those times, you know, when we, we all, because we all have those even now, in those times when, when you feel that little twinge, what is it that you go back to or what is it that you mm. say to yourself to manage that so you don't go down into the yeah. rabbit hole of, yes. of lack the of confidence? Negative, no, yes, the negative speak in your head. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's anything that I really say to myself, but what I decided to do, um, you know, about five or six years ago um, was surround myself with other um, supportive women. Mm. So I'm very uncomfortable going to a networking event and I hate walking into a room alone. I just do. So it's one of those things where I decided, you know, in order for me to do, you know, a networking event where my confidence is really low, I, I've decided to have really good professional relationships with other independent women that are 
sort of alone in their industry as well, where we can get together and walk into the room at the same time as if we all worked for the same company. <clears throat> as an example, there was um, um, an event that the local Chamber of Commerce put on, and I really wanted to go, but I hate going by myself. So I bought a table, and then I reached out to every one of my you know, collaborators, shall we say, um, and invited them a seat at the table so that I had a full table of the people that I wanted to hang out with that evening and have the confidence to go in there together saying, you know, these are my peers, not in the same industry, but, you know, that we can all work together. And, and I, instead of putting my name on the table or Robertson Wealth Advisory Group, I just called it the collaborators. Amazing. Right? And then, so I had a real estate agent, I had a lawyer and, you know, a business coach and myself. So we're all in different industries, but we're all independent women running businesses. And I thought, if I'm going through this thinking no confidence walking in this room or really nervous walking in by myself, maybe these other women are feeling the same thing. So maybe I can, you know put everybody at ease going, okay, you know what? There's eight of us now. We're good, <laughs> right? We're, we've got a posse. So as soon as you walk in, you have somebody to go to and say, oh, there she is. There's so-and-so. There's so-and-so, right? It's such a great strategy. And it's so simple and it's so effective. And I think that, you know, that's it. You're not alone. That's um, it. And sort of in your head, you're not alone. And physically, you're not alone. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, the feedback from the others around the table was the same thing going, oh my gosh, Kathy, thank, thank you for reaching out because like, I hate these things. Not that they hate them, but they're uncomfortable, let's say, going to some of these events by themselves, yeah. right? And not having a person to meet up with because you just don't know who's there when you arrive. Isn't it funny? I, I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the networking in itself is one of those things that, I think in general, people find it very challenging, and yet we go to those things, everyone sort of pretending <laughs> yes. that we're really- We all have at, to be there, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I think there's great value in being there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sometimes that reminder that the first step is the hardest, and what do we need to do in order to That's you know, right. make that step easier? Yeah. Kathy, I, uh, you know, I so appreciate this conversation, and we're just gonna take a really quick break, and uh, we'll be right back with Kathy Robertson. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. I'm here with Kathy Robertson of Robertson Wealth Advisory Group. And uh, we're just having a great conversation about all things um, growing businesses. So Kathy, tell me if you had advice for someone who is trying to grow the kind of business that you've done, you know, you've, you've got 23 years under your belt, um, what advice would you give? Mm-hmm. There's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not a believer of working harder, um, meaning I'm not the type of person that can come in at 6.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night. It's just a not, uh, that would exhaust me. So I really try to um, be here for 8.30 in the morning through till five o'clock, but when I am here, I'm focused on work. Mm-hmm. And then when I go home, I'm focused solely on home. Right? I try not to let the two bleed into each other. Um, to me, that's, it's, it's just not healthy for me. I have to be able to shut out work when I'm at home in order for me to have a good home life. So, you know, my day is very structured. I'm very task oriented and I like to get things accomplished and I like things to be balanced, right? Um, so my day is structured with the morning getting ready for uh, tomorrow's appointments. Um, I review everything and um, you know I make my notes and I review my notes and I review the portfolios and then that takes me a couple of hours and then I'm ready for tomorrow and then no matter what happens with the rest of my day I know I'm good for tomorrow amazing right so what I do then next is I, I check emails and I respond back to any clients or any partners or centers of influence my collaborators um, if anybody needs me I'll I'll do anything that's quick first the five-minute ones the two-minute ones boom 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 and then I'll focus on the ones that take a little bit more brain power and research and I'll respond back to those and then the afternoon or late afternoon really is focused on um, little projects that I wanted to get done or research paper or um, uh, something that I wanted to read or, or watch that's coming from head office if it's a latest economic report or, or what have you or market status. So my day is very structured and I love it that way. That's how I function. But it wasn't always that way. Um, you know, when we first started out, we used to service approximately 500 clients and there was four of us on the team. Okay. And over the years, um, as you know, the team has shifted and changed and, and people have you know, moved on, um, we've really focused in on the ideal client, um, the ideal service, mm. um, and we've, really ne- we've narrowed it down from 500 to 180. Okay. So we have 180 clients, and instead of four people on the team, there's just two. So it's a lot more efficient, and it's a lot more profitable now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. Tell me how you um, managed to reduce your client load mm-hmm. um, and increase your profits. Coaching. Okay. Coaching, 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 coaching every type of coaching, um, accountable coaching, 
Um, they would give us lists of things to do, to accomplish, um, thought-provoking questions on the ideal. So we needed to figure out what was the ideal business? Mm. What was the ideal client? What does that look like? And then steps to get there. So we had to say goodbye to some of our um, clients that were, you know, they might have had lots of assets, but they weren't profitable because they ate up too much of our time, right? Yeah. So it's the 80-20 rule, mm -hmm. right? So it's the 20% of your clients produce 80% of your, of your production or your, re your commission or whatever you wanna call it, right? So we really had to figure out, well, who were our top 20? Who were our cream of the cream clients? And then do we feel comfortable servicing them? And if we love those type of clients and we get along really well, personality types, um, you know, are they corporations or are they retirees, right? We, we had to really figure out what that looked like. Sure. And then we really had to narrow it down to, well, those are the only clients that we want to service. And so we had to say goodbye to a lot of our other clients and we actually referred them to people in our industry and our banking partners that we felt was the right fit. So we didn't just say goodbye with a, a letter, we had to say goodbye face to face and then walk them to somebody whom we felt we could trust. So once we get down to about, you know, the 180 client relationships, we have to figure out, okay, well, how do we service those? Because we still have the 40 hours in the week and we have a lot less clients, so guess what? We're gonna increase our service to them, yes. mm -hmm. right? Because they're paying us to work for them. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just providing the advice and guidance, it's all of a sudden is what else can we do for them, right? How else can we acknowledge or be proactive for them? So we changed our whole um, methodology and matrix as to you know when we're gonna be servicing clients. When do we want time off? That was a big breaking down the 12 month calendar to we want to service clients from January till June and then September to December, right? So then it was all about, okay, well, if we have January to June, how many clients can we meet face-to-face -face, uh, during that time period? How many can we m meet on a monthly basis that's good for the client, good for us, and still grow our practice? So. You know, we have broken it down that we meet um, approximately two clients a day, face-to-face, -face, uh, which is quite doable, sure. manageable. Yeah. We figured out which clients want to meet quarterly, which mm -hmm. clients want to meet semi-annually, and which clients only want a one-time-a-year one meeting. Absolutely. Right? So we have all these procedures in place that are a little bit more automated now. Um, than just being reactive to when the phone rings, right? Mm -hmm. So I find now our phone doesn't ring. We have a lot more outgoing calls to be proactive with our clients rather, rather than waiting for them to reach out to us as to when they want to meet and or something that's on their mind, right? So interesting. And at what point, you know, when you're thinking about that, that exponential growth, that really mm. focusing on increasing profits, growing your business, and and doing that by by really niching down, by getting really clear. Uh, uh, 
how long did that take you? Like when you started sort of saying we need to make this shift to when you fully executed on that, what sort of time frame are we looking at? Um, the most heavy lifting took a year to a year and a half to make all the decisions and put some procedures in place. Mm. And then the next, let's say six months after we had a clear vision and the procedure on, on how to do it and do it, was then putting um, things in place that if, you know, my assistant was off on vacation for a couple of weeks, nothing falls through the cracks. Yes. So we have a lot of our procedures written out on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly, quarterly, annually. So that if something were to happen to her or something were to happen to me, somebody else can fit right in, open up the binder and go, okay, this is what we do on an annual basis. This is what we do semi-annually, quarterly, monthly, daily, mm. right through to the daily tasks. Amazing. Yes. How often do you review that? Because I think yeah. sometimes people think create our systems, create our processes is one and done. Mm -hmm. No. Anytime that we have a change in procedure, we try to have it changed in the procedure manual immediately. Otherwise, you forget. Mm -hmm. And then the procedure manual is out of date, right? Yeah. So we really try to keep on top of that, sure. right? And it takes, it takes the team or it takes the two of us to commit to that, yeah. right? So you reduced your team size mm -hmm. um, and you focus on making sure that your clients' needs are met mm -hmm. and making sure that you're able to work in a way that works mm -hmm. for you. Um, I, I love this sense of, you know, your work life is very separate. And what does that do for you, Kathy, that, that separation of work and life? You know, it's, it's amazing because when I'm home, and I have two uh, young men as, as you know, children, um, it really allowed me to focus on their needs and my needs and my husband. Um, you know, dinner table talk was about their day, uh, school, signing forms, right? I, I always felt like I was present mm. with them. Always, even with my even with my husband, I feel like our conversations are about us and moving forward, and our plans and our goals and travel and you know what makes us happy. Um, but it took a long time to get to that point because there was many many years where you know I was studying at home at night with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I would study in two hours, you know, after supper or after bath time, you know, when they went to bed. So there's, there was many years that the two were bleeding into each other, or you'd come to work and the children, you know, needed a parent because they were sick. But it's only as they got older where it became easier to separate. Sure. So just to be honest, they do bleed when, if you have children and they're young, you know, your two lives will, will, you know, blend into each other. And some people are totally okay with that. But totally. what I really hear from you is that what worked best for you is to have a very structured routine, both sort of at work. So that allows you to have your mm -hmm. own happy routine at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I enjoy my couch time at home. 
right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I enjoy watching some shows in the evening and I don't want to be, you know, poring over reports or, or, you know, even listening to the news. I, I just don't enjoy it. I need to shut off my work brain in the evening and, it's, and, it, and to focus on other things. And then when I'm here at the office, I am so on point and, and I'm so focused that I'm just that much more efficient and making smarter decisions for my clients because I'm not exhausted. Such an amazing point because you're not exhausted. Right. And we often spend an awful lot of time exhausted. Yes. Are there other things that you do, Kathy, in terms of habits and routines to keep yourself focused and on point while you're at work? I try to take breaks. I drink a lot of water, right? <laughs> I do. I drink a lot of water. Um, I try to, uh, I have a printer in my office, but I try not to use it. Um, I'll use it if I'm, if I'm having a client meeting and I don't want to leave the office. But if you, I print something, I get up and I move and I walk away uh, to pick something up just to have that movement. Um, I always, and I've always taken a lunch break. I have always, I bring in my own lunch from home mm -hmm. and I will sit for a good half hour, 45 minutes. I will not answer my phone, I won't check my emails, and I eat my lunch in quiet peace. I will reach out to friends during those times. I'll reach out to my husband, make plans for our supper, or what are we doing this evening? Check in with my son at university. So I have that midday break um, from the business. Mm. That's what I do mm -hmm. every day. Yeah, amazing. I love it. Reminds me of what I'm working for, to be honest. Well, and isn't that it? I, and that idea that, you know, we are actually building businesses that work for our lives. Mm -hmm. And over the years, you've figured out how to do that. Mm -hmm. And you're sharing that back with us today in terms of, you know, getting those processes and systems in place mm -hmm. was really key for you. Huge. And Couldn't do it without it. And that idea that you are planning tomorrow. Mm -hmm at the first of today is really, um, I think, really critical, right? So it doesn't yeah. matter if, you know, the day goes sideways, because we all have days that go sideways. Absolutely. Y you, can, you can be so confident and comfortable knowing that you're able to still serve your clients tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. And not only do it, it's, you know, it's all about the client experience, but if, you, if we take a look at the business side, you know, we have to grow our practice and we have to hit, um, you know, certain levels with our firm, right? You have to have, you know, um, certain level of business coming in that I do a budget at the start of the fiscal year. So my fiscal year starts in um, November 1st. So what I do on, uh, right before November 1st, I do a recap of my previous fiscal year. Um, what were my goals? What were my targets? Um, did I did I hit them? Did I exceed them? And how? Where did it come from? Where did the biz new business come from? So you know, for for the next fiscal starting in November that just passed, um, I did up my whole marketing budget for the entire year, where I was going to spend my money, um, what worked in the past, what am I going to continue to do? What's the return on that investment? So I have my entire marketing uh, budget plan so that, you know, if something comes up, I'll go, okay, well, if I want to do that, what am I going to let go of? Because I'm only willing to spend this much. And then I also, you know, I, I do my whole 
sales or we call it production by month as well um, so that there's no surprises for me right and if there's surprises then it's a good surprise if I t took on a new client that I wasn't expecting well then that's fantastic right mm. so that's just gonna help me attain my goals and, and, and my budget you know that much sooner but I really try to map out my year ahead of time and then I and then I check it actually on a monthly basis where am I at am I above am I below what do I need to do different to attain to mm. attain my goal to attain my target because my target might be different than what the firm sets it to be I might be a little bit more um, you know ambitious because that's where I think I can I can hit sure right so I, I have a little sticky note on my desk and I check it all the time where am I at where am I at yeah. what do I need to do that's my little motivator amazing mm -hmm. and that is that that focus on you know that difference between the working in your business and the working on your business mm -hmm. yes. and and you when you talk like that um, was that again the coaching that helped you um, get to that or, or did you always no it wasn't always that way it was always oh what did we do last month we have no idea and then where did it come from right mm. um, no all coaching all coaching I don't think you can do a shift in your business from being reactive to proactive without um, strong coaching. Mm. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you didn't pay me to say no, that. But no, anyways, no. yeah. And your coaching, really, I've had multiple different coaches from, you know, national coaches to, you know, coaches within our firm, lots of conferences that have, have taken nuggets of information. If I can pull one or two things away from any session, I know the session was successful. Absolutely. You know, it's that I, if I can take something away and actually implement it and the rest, it, it's not, it doesn't apply, that's okay because I got something out of it that I could use. Well, and I think the other side to that, truly, Kathy, is not everyone is coachable and you are clearly a coachable person that, you know, the, the, that whole relationship only works mm -hmm. when people are willing to execute and make really difficult decisions like, mm -hmm. how are we going to have the conversation That's right. with this client that we've had for years and mm -hmm. years and years and say... I, we're going to transition you somewhere else. Those That's are right. not easy decisions. They're not. They're not easy decisions and they're not easy conversations. Nothing. No. no. Kathy, uh, we're going to go for a quick break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. I'm Sarah Roach-Lewis, and I'm here with Kathy Robertson. Kathy, you are one of less than 2% of women who have achieved seven figures and beyond in your business. So congratulations. Thank you. We don't always stop to reflect on that. Mm. And so tell me, how do you celebrate your wins? When the wins come, we do celebrate. Let me tell you, we, um, so Krista is my, is my um, assistant. Um, we do everything from high fives to a special bottle of wine to a dinner out to, you know, taking a moment to reflect on, you know, what it took to, to get the win, um, you know, to win the business of a large client. Um, because it doesn't just happen overnight. Mm. So we have to pause and acknowledge and be thankful. Um, I really try to say thanks also to anybody in my world that has helped um, with the win. So I will always reach out to my management team and say, hey, we did it, we won. Uh, Thank you very much for all your support. Um, Appreciate it, you know, next time we're together. You know, looking forward to doing a recap. Um, I try to thank Krista every day when I leave. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for doing a great job today. Um, Because I can't take her role for granted, right? Um, I, I, I say thanks to Neil all the time, my spouse to say thanks for listening, thanks for helping me with big decisions, mm. right? They're all, to me, is celebrations. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, my network of other female professionals, I will sometimes reach out to them as well and say, hey, guess what? I did it, Yay! right? Or even, you know, even on the lows, it's, it's the exact same. So celebrate the win, great, but there's more losses than there are wins. So how you react to the losses is just as important as how you celebrate the wins, right? And how has that, has that changed over the years? Because I think that's a really good point mm-hmm. and one that we tend to gloss over. Yes. You have more no's than yes's in your business. Absolutely. So yeah. how has that, has that shifted mm-hmm. in terms of your ability to handle those? Absolutely. You know, before you used to take a no, um, as a hard no, and 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 you, I would take it personally, right? What did I do wrong, right? Or maybe my proposal or my presentation wasn't strong enough. But then over the years, you just go, oh, that no just means no, not right now, or no, you're not the right fit, because I have an ideal client, and the client has an ideal advisor. Mm. So I can't take that personally if I'm not the right one. 
for them, for what they're actually looking for, right? So some of the no's are learning lessons. Oh, I wasn't prepared for that. Or I, my head wasn't in the game. Or I was distracted. Or, you know, it just wasn't the right timing for that individual. They thought that they needed a, a change of advisor right now. Um, but they really just need to have some more open communication with their current advisor, right? And sometimes it's, you know what, you need to actually repair a relationship for our relationship to move forward, right? So yeah, there's some no's, there's some big no's, and then there's some small no's, but I, I, I'm always trying to find the learning lesson in the no's, and how can I turn that into a yes? when I'm faced with that same situation or challenge. Have you always considered yourself ambitious or competitive? Very. Yeah. Okay. Very. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's monopoly, cards, you know, um, walking, it doesn't matter. I am, I am, I am, I am ambitious and I'm competitive, um, but I like to play fair. Okay. I will never, I'm a true believer in strong ethics and doing what's right. And I've learned that the more you do um, and lead with your heart and your gut, the rest will fall into place. Mm. Yeah. And those are lessons that come over time. Mm -hmm. So in your, you know, you've got, you're at this place um, where you're, you know, you've, you have a lot of, of life lessons and a lot of work lessons and a ton of knowledge and experience. Can you talk to me a little bit about, um, about mentorship? So you've talked about, you know, ways that coaching has really helped you. Were there other sort of mentors um, that you received mentorship from? Or are there, now that you're in this place mm. of giving mentorship, what mm -hmm. does that look like? You know, I'd love to have a few more females in this industry. Um, I would love to mentor anybody who who would like to get into this industry because eventually I'm going to need a successor. Right. And so, you know, a successorship, you know, doesn't happen overnight. So for anybody who's interested in the world of finance or wealth management, um, it's a lucrative career and it's a very satisfying career because, you know, yes, you're doing well financially. but you're also making a difference in the finances of the client in which you're sitting across from. And I would love the next generation of advisors. I would hope that there's a little bit more parity. So if there's anything that I can do to promote, to help, to guide the way, mm. to you know, show a procedure manual, what it looks like, yeah. you know, what the day looks like, uh, what an agenda, you know, um, why do you mm. think it is that all these years later um, that there's still not parity or even close not even in close. your industry? No. Not even close. No, we represent about 14, 15% nationally. Okay. Yeah. So, why do you think that is? I have been trying to figure that out for decades. Mm -hmm. I, I have. And I don't understand it because 
you know, there's a lot of brilliant ladies out there that are working in accounting fields and, um, you know, finance in regards to um, controllers of companies, uh, inside the banking institution as well. Mm -hmm. But why they're not, I don't know whether or not this industry is this hidden gem or it's not promoted in university, uh, personal finance. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the disconnect is with this industry and let's say the education and people coming up. Sure. Right. Because a lot of people who go through business at university will either go into management, marketing, or accounting, but they're not sticking to the personal finance or the finance world, right? Mm. Which touches on management, marketing. You know, I need to know all kinds of tax laws. Um, I need to know some estate planning. Uh, you know, so it touches on all kinds of different areas in somebody's life, and I, I, I cannot grasp yet what the disconnect is. Mm. I haven't figured it out. Fair enough. Well, that maybe is, you know, the continued. Right. <laughs> to be continued. To be continued. Right? We'll circle back. Yeah, maybe that's my next career as a recruiter. Yeah. Tell me about a time where you experienced failure mm. and then it showed up later on as a win. What did you learn from that and then how did that show up as a win? Well, I was let go of another firm. Okay. We won't get into the reasons why, <laughs> but I was let go. And then I found myself here at CIBC Woodgundy, and that was the biggest blessing. When you talk about coaching and management and leadership, leadership makes a difference mm. in making your staff and employees feel very comfortable. So landing here at CIBC Woodgundy was the best thing that has happened for me personally I've never felt more comfortable in my life in this career as is as I do in this firm. And also that could be, you know, aging into it as well and the confidence. Um, but management and leadership style that I have here um, is second to none. Hmm. I have two gentlemen as my managers that are all about how can we help? What do you need? What support do you need, right? Do you just need me to listen? Um, they're my mentors, right? Right, And they're fantastic. So I didn't know that that really existed. So, you know, a painful time in my past has really created this opportunity of fantastic growth and comfort. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. Hindsight is such a delightful thing. Yeah. And it's so hard when we're in the midst of that. Unreal. That to be able to pull back, find that silver lining, and yet we can often in hindsight go back to those difficult times as a key transition to something so much better. Always. Yeah. Always, right? And it's a matter of... You know, how am I going to get through this? Who's going to help me get through this? Um, you know, and then what, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, when a door closes, another one opens. But you have to have your eyes open mm -hmm. to be aware that there's a door opening. 
because if you are so focused on the shut door, you have your back to all the open doors because you're just facing nothing but the closed door. That's it, that's all you can see. You have to turn around, put your back to the closed door and go, okay, what doors are opening? Yeah. What else right? is out there? What here? else is out there yeah. that works for me, yeah. right? And sometimes you would just have to go over and open the door, create the door yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Build yourself a door. <laughs> Walk through it, right? No looking back. Exactly. Yeah. On that note, Kathy, when you, you know, so much about, I, I often say this show is about inspiration, motivation, and instruction. Hmm. And what is your advice for those women who, uh, who are listening right now who want to level up, who want to take their business to that next level? but they're just not quite sure what that looks like for them. Mm. You know, underneath my monitor um, um, here in my office, I have, I have two sticky notes. One of them is L-I-G, which just means let it go. Mm. And the other one actually says level up. <laughs> and it's funny that you're mentioning that because I just put that level up sticky note there January 1st, so it's only 20 days old, right? So for me to focus on, okay, leveling up, and for for anybody else out there that wants to level up, number one, make sure that you actually want to level up. Make sure that you know what the next level actually pertains, what it looks like, the commitment, the yes, the joys, but what are the pains? Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side, and you think, oh, if I was bigger, better, you know, things would be better. Just make sure that you're not looking at it as if, you know, grass is greener on the other side. That Okay, you've now, you know what leveling up actually looks like and you know that physically, mentally, emotionally you can handle it. You know, what are the steps to get there? Map it out. Do your goals. Like, I'm a big believer of goals, writing down your goals. Um, you know, they don't have to be, to me, I, you know, it was a pain to write my goals, but once you start doing it, it just becomes a little bit more easier to do. And I try not to make them too narrow. My goals are big picture. Sure. I want to hit this level and I'll put a time frame on it. And then I consistently look at it and going, okay, am I doing, am I doing what's right to get to there? Or am I just doing a bunch of time wasters? Right? Am I actually being productive? So, you know, I'm, a, I'm the believer of you touch the paper once. I touch an email once. If I open it, I'm responding to it. I'm not going back to it unless I, I have to go get some research. So it's easier to level up when, you know, you're not messing around with the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. Right? It's you make the decision, you, you enact on it, and you move on. That is so powerful. So, Kathy, tell me, what is your bold vision for mm. for your business for 2020, for the decade? Um, you know, when you're thinking about your own leveling up, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So, for me, I, I we currently service approximately 180 clients. I know that I've already done the math and the calculation that I can service approximately 230 clients. Okay? So, I know that leveling up and taking on... 50 new clients doesn't happen overnight because I only like to take on about 10 new clients a year to do justice for the client. Sure. Right? To do a good job. 
So if I take on 10 new clients over the next five years, okay, well now I'm, I'm hitting you know, closer to my target. But I know that clients will pass away or transition out um, or I have to say goodbye to somebody. So it's not a straight 180 to 230, right? It's 180, 175, back to 181, so it's a slow movement. But I know that I do want to take on more clients than, let's say, drop off or I say goodbye to, right? So that's my biggest, that's my biggest goal for the next five, six years is to have a certain number of clients that I, I'm loving servicing. I intend to hire one additional person mm -hmm. in five years time. Okay. And that one person will will be hopefully my successor. And I will mentor and train and introduce and educate for the next 10 years. Because you cannot learn everything that's in my head in one year. You just can't. It will take me a, it will take me a decade to train my successor. That is amazing. And that is a bold vision. That so is. you are looking out 15, um, years. 15 years. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I've started my list. I've started my list of people I want to reach out to in five years' time. Okay. Keeping an eye on their careers and what they're like at networking events and how they treat people. Mm. It's my own little private list. They don't know they're on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you know, right? hey, folks, you might be. Uh, Kathy I hope might. that doesn't sound creepy, but no, you know. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. And no, I think I that have to be is smart. you have to be smart. And we build these businesses that we love, mm -hmm. and you know that it takes fifteen years or it takes ten, 10 years. years. Um, so of course you're looking at that yeah. smart business to be yeah. looking at what your success succession plan is yeah. that far out. And I need to find the right person that's going to be good for my clients because that's who I'm working for. My, my clients need to be comfortable with the next person in 15 years time because I'm, I'm counting on the fact that I have all my same clients. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Kathy, thank you so much for your time. This has been a wonderful and really interesting conversation. So mm. I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, for those of you listening, uh, I appreciate your time as well. Um, certainly subscribe to Breakthrough wherever you listen to podcasts. Reach out if you have any questions or if you have suggestions for guests or you would like to be my guest as well. My name is Sarah Roach-Lewis and you're listening to Breakthrough. Thank you for tuning in to Breakthrough. Be sure to join Sarah Roach Lewis again with another inspiring interview next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.